This is the Student Success and Policy Committee meeting. Um, call them to order. Soft gap. Um, we do um, roll call. Sorry. Roll call. Um, trustee Green here. Student Trustee Brand present. Trustee Vancho present. You have a card. Thank you. I'll start with the land acknowledgement statement. We acknowledge that we are on the unceded and ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging their, the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush community and by affirming their sovereign rights as First Peoples. Grace, is there any public comment not on the agenda? Yes, we do. Um, Abigail Bornstein. At the October Board of Trustees committee meetings, we started to see the use of political signs either taped in front or taped behind the Board of Trustees. So the signs on international political issues had words about genocide staring out at the public for several hours. I keep asking about the board policy on signs. We had a sign on genocide and colors of another region of the world. Would a sign about rape saying about beheadings, terrorism, abortion, guns, or local political campaigns be acceptable as well? What about a sign about registering for classes? I mean, what is the board policy on signs? When these signs appear in front of or behind the board, they appear as an endorsement by the entire board on behalf of the college. I mean, what are you willing to endorse? Do you endorse rape? Do you endorse beheading? Do you endorse terrorism? I mean, what is it? Signs on abortions, guns, what are you willing to endorse behind you or in front of you? So what's our policy on signs in front of, behind, or near the Board of Trustees? And I will continue to ask that until I receive an answer on that. Thank you. That concludes public comment. We'll move on to the minutes. Um, do I have a motion to approve the minutes? Moved. Seconded. Roll call. Trustee Chung? Aye. Student Trustee Brand? Aye. Trustee Green? Yes. The motion passes. We can go to uh, presentations. So an update on strong workforce program planning. Uh, thank you, Trustee Green. And I will invite our Associate Dean of Workforce Development, Mr. John Halpin, who has a brief presentation and then be happy to respond to any questions the trustees may have. Uh, take it away, John. Thank you, Chancellor. Good evening. 
As you may recall, I gave a brief report on the Strong Workforce Program at the board retreat in August. So this is an update on the, the planning that we've done so far. Next slide. So I just wanted to provide a brief refresher there on the screen about uh, what SWP is. It's um, more and better career education is the tagline. It, it is a framework for supporting career education student success. Uh, it has several state goals around increasing student enrollment, retention and completion, equitable access, responsiveness to industry and labor market projections, and increased uh, student employment outcomes. This year, uh, we are convening the SWP task force, which currently includes 30 faculty, staff, and administrators who are charged with developing recommendations for a new four-year strategic plan that would go through 2028. Um, also to align with uh, the chancellor's office uh, vision 2030 and the allocations that we get from the state um, every year, we're gonna be entering the ninth through the 12th years of the SWP. Next slide. So it's been an iterative process. We're incorporating feedback and input from key stakeholders as we go through the process um, being reviewed by the SWP task force. We've done uh, faculty and staff have provided input through a survey that was sent out in the fall. Um, we've gotten input from our community partners through the CBO summit in October. We're having an employer uh, partnership event next week where we'll be getting input from them as well as student focus groups, which will be conducted over the next few weeks. And then we'll continue to get input from our uh, key stakeholders and constituent groups through the participatory governance process. Next slide. So this just shows a timeline of uh, what we have completed to date in terms of task force meetings and stakeholder input, and then our next steps to complete the draft of the strategic plan through its final edits and approval process, and then bring it, bring it back to the board uh, for approval in May. Next slide. I did want to use this next slide just to recognize all of the uh, members of the task force, uh, faculty, department chairs, classified staff, and administrators, uh, and I appreciate the time and effort um, that they are contributing to participating in the meetings, reviewing data, brainstorming ideas, and editing drafts. And we also um, have invited, we haven't uh, had any students uh, join the task force yet, but we will, um, you know, it's still open. They are open meetings. We will have two more meetings. Uh, this semester. And as I mentioned, focus groups uh, are going to be happening over the next few weeks to get student input. Next slide. So this is just a graphic of just showing how the, the plan connects with overall the, you know, the college's education master plan, uh, the state's vision 2030, which has quite a bit of focus on workforce development in the vision 2030 goals and priorities and you could click on that QR code or go to their website for more information about that plan, as well as the state's uh, CTE plan. Next slide. So the task force has done major work in the fall, um, looking at these state plans, the EMT, labor market information, feedback from our CBO partners, reviewing the survey from faculty and staff, brainstorming, uh, the potential strategies and priorities for the new plan, which are on the next slide. 
So some of the things we've identified so far is looking at work-based learning, stronger employer engagement, responsiveness to the labor market, uh, on-ramps and bridge programs for English language learners into career education pathways, looking at our, our data for each program uh, to identify equity gaps, providing more student supports, and then better promotion of career education uh, programs. Next slide. The work continued um, to iterate, looking at this data, um, and then based on all of this data, started to formulate uh, a SWOT analysis, which stands for strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, um, which are on the next slide. So current strengths, looking at you know our industry partners, uh, our quality career education programs, uh, the expertise of our faculty and staff, uh, some of the student support services that we offer, in particular around uh, job search and employability skills preparation, and uh, the various work-based learning opportunities that we have for our students. And then opportunities on the next slide, looking at basically doing more, more of that, more program models for working adults, more uh, paid work-based learning opportunities, uh, stronger community outreach around our career education programs, uh, and then continuing to enhance um, and foster collaboration, professional development, and innovation. And then the next slide we have, um, these are our draft goals. I'm probably running out of time, so I don't wanna read them yet uh, since they are draft and they are subject to some changes as we continue to convene the task force over the next few months and get input, but we will be bringing the, the final draft of these goals uh, after everybody weighs in. Um, so next slide. So next steps, as I mentioned, we're, we're having the employer uh, meeting next week, student focus groups, uh, start on the 15th and go into the following week, and then we'll have the results of those in early March. And then the, the task force uh, next meeting is at the end of the month. And then in March, we'll go into final draft mode and uh, and then start bringing the, the draft to the constituent groups for uh, their input and approval. I'm happy to answer any questions. Are there any questions, comments? Trusty one. Trust you, Chad. I know it's hard. It's one syllable last names in Chinese. Um, uh, thank you, Dean Haplin, for for this presentation. I I wanted to ask um, well, a, a couple things. Um, I really wanted to leverage as trustees. We um, have some. I think it's really. I always circle back to this, put the trustees to work. If there's a list of the CBOs that participated in the, you mentioned October summit, I think it'd be great. I mean, I feel like if I used my social media to just thank these community-based organizations, I just want to take the opportunity to bolster the partnership. Um, but I I was also curious on, um, so sorry. So just uh, if, if that list can be provided to trustees, um, I don't know if Dean Haplin or, or, or Dr. Murn, if that could happen. Oh, we can certainly provide that list. Okay, wonderful. And then um, I was wondering if the, 
I know there used to be a really robust partnership with City College and the Labor Council. I just, you know, shout out to this. I'm very, I mean, a lot of our employees at their college are union members. I'm a union member in my own occupation. It's just, it provides so much stability. Is that, is the Labor Council also involved in the summit? Uh, in the employer summit? Yes, or in, in some way involved in the process for helping us in our workforce development. The, the primary way that we partner with the Labor Council is through our partnership with the City Office of Economic and Workforce Development around the City Build program. And so City Build and the, the Labor Council partner around all the different labor unions providing opportunities for the students of that program to enter into apprenticeship programs. Okay, that, well, that, that's great. Um, I, I just imagine City Build is also just a very specific, right? It's it's just a very specific um, buildings and trades sort of, um, but I'm, I'm hoping there could be an expansion of that, obviously. Um, it, it, no, just, just, just throwing ideas out there. Sure, <laughs> so, yes. Uh, if I may, Trustee Chung, and I think uh, we can certainly bring more information back, but in respects to partnerships with uh, the Labor Council, I know our project labor agreement uh, that we signed uh, that covers all of our construction projects, it has clause, uh, clauses in there that uh, outlines the development of future uh, apprenticeship programs uh, in a variety of different trades, and that uh, is a direct partnership uh, through our strong workforce office and ultimately with the Labor Council. Uh, so as we uh, continue to build uh, significant construction, uh, utilizing that PLA clause, I know is something on uh, Dean Halpin's uh, to-do list. Um, I'd be amiss to not give a shout out to my, so I work for the California Department of Industrial Relations and they have a apprenticeship grants for these employers. So just, again, just kind of giving that shout out if that could be passed along if they're gives them funding to build more apprenticeships, which gives our students more opportunities. Um, I wanted to ask, are there existing pipelines that um, are successful at the moment? Are there, are there pipelines actually? By pipelines, which what? Uh, where we are sort of um, show, not chauffeuring, but essentially where students are, are able to be on a track where they've shown success in completing a certificate program, you know, doing an internship or apprenticeship with an employer and then landing employment with them. Sure. I mean, we, we have several different uh, successful programs in, in terms of apprenticeship programs with uh, our early childhood education apprenticeship program, community health worker apprenticeship program. We do a automotive pre-apprenticeship program, which then leads to apprenticeships with MTA. Um, so those are just some examples. But across all of our career education programs, uh, they all either have a, a work experience component or in cases of uh, healthcare where they have clinical uh, rotations and, and placement opportunities as well. Uh, and if I may just expand briefly on that, and I think we have uh, and are trying to replicate those types of models in different disciplines as well. 
Uh, we're in constant uh, communication with our city and county uh, em uh, employers uh, as they have uh, employment needs, uh, connecting them with our departments uh, that have the specific discipline. A great example uh, that uh, is recent is the paralegal studies on which we were connected with uh, the city, uh, county, city and county offices uh, that needed uh, assistance of paralegals. And we connected them to our department and hopefully uh, we'll open up a uh, pipeline for internship and then potential uh, city employment uh, into the future. Uh, so that's just another example outside of the, the CTE uh, realm uh, that we have been working on. I just wanted to thank you. Oh, sorry. I didn't wait so, to be recognized. So Go ahead, Chair. Recognize, recognize. Thank you. Oh, process and procedure. Um, I just wanted to thank you for your presentation and how thorough it was and including all the names of the members who've participated in the work. It really shows us how many people it takes to do the work um, and to recognize them is important. Um, I also am saddened to hear that there's not a student that has participated thus far, but I appreciate your desire to have a student participate and um, look forward to the, the focus groups that you'll be hosting, which will involve students. I just wanted to say that I uh, came back from lobbying in DC and part of um, what we were talking about was workforce development and adult basic education and career technical education. So um, things such as substantially increasing funding for strengthening community college training grant programs, um, increasing funding for state grants under the Carl D. Perkins Career and Technical Education Act, the Occupational and Adult Basic Education Programs and the Workforce Innovation and Opportunity Act, or WIOA, um, the Advanced Technolo Technological Education ATE Program and the National Science Foundation include community college and efforts to bolster America's competitiveness in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics or STEM fields. Um, enhancing the workforce or the I should just say WIOA because I already read it out, um, to bolster the role of community colleges and workforce development by ensuring community colleges are a part of the leadership apparatus, prioritizing credential attainment and streamlining uh, reporting requirements. We also talked about credit for prior learning. I don't know how that works with this, um, but I'm, I'm hoping that it does, um, as well as expanding or doubling Pell Grant and having Pell Grant potentially um, be afforded to students who are not seeking transfer, but are seeking other pathways. Um, so I just wanted to bring that information back to you. And I'm really glad to hear everything that's happening. Sure. Thank you, Trustee. The only thing I was going to comment on, they've both been said, so I won't belabor, but the first was credit for prior learning. As a, as a former counselor, I remember that being a very uh, successful project for community college students and would encourage something like that here. Um, additionally, the chancellor already mentioned it. Having I, I've been in a couple of conversations with the Office of Economic and Workforce Development for the city and county of San Francisco in the last week or two. And think having some type of involvement with the city and county is very important. Um, lastly, and I can save this for a future agenda item, but I'd like to know more about what's going on at Evans since that campus specifically speaks to some of these things. So thank you so much. Sure. Thank you. I, I will say that uh, tomorrow our um, the college's credit for prior learning work group is going to be meeting. Um, so we, we are slowly moving into implementing credit for prior learning within career education as well. Very nice. Thank you. Thank you.
I'm going to ask um, for a two minute break, if that is okay with the, the members of the committee.
Thank you again to the committee. We can resume. Um, we were at 5B, Student Enrollment and Retention Task Force Recommendations. Good evening, uh, trustees and Chancellor Martin and all of my colleagues here at City College. Um, you may recall that we came to the full board back in December regarding the work of this task force and providing an update on participants. We had approximately um, five students, um, eight staff, a dozen or more faculty members and approximately 10 administrators who all volunteered to support the work of this group. Um, and that was primarily focused on responding to the uh, resolution that uh, the board passed on uh, this very topic. And so that task force met beginning in um, October through the end of December when these recommendations were formalized by that group. So one of the approaches was is to um, to organize the recommendations around um, major topical areas and the first being the marketing and the communications piece. And it was really important to the task force that the college or the district consider um, developing um, not only a strategic marketing plan, but also um, to think about um, ongoing marketing support for the college in absence of having a, a director of marketing and communications. And so a recommendation around um, issuing another RFP for marketing and potentially a multi-year um, uh, marketing um, RFP um, to give uh, time for the college, I guess, to conclude successfully a search for a director of marketing so that we had ongoing, um, consistent and strategic support in that area. Um, also that um, likely the need to conduct some type of uh, needs assessment around the college's needs in marketing and communication. It, I think, is not lost on anyone that the job description is a, a fairly robust one for one individual, um, given the number of expectations. And so this would be an opportunity for the college to consider its full um, needs in that area, staffing needs, resource needs in that area. Um, next part of the... Okay. And so then the next piece of the... Um, a set of recommendations um, centered around external relations and outreach components. Um, again, the first being around more strategically capturing who our community-based organizations are, because there is a recognition that as much as the outreach area has developed a list, I believe now it's a little over 500 community-based organizations, that there are many offices, departments, units across the campus that are working with community-based organizations at varying levels, right? Different relationships. And so it was also recommended that we do a, some type of survey or assessment internally to determine, you know, what some of those relationships are with various organizations. Some because we don't even know that the relationship exists, but some where we might have multiple units at the college sort of connecting with the same organization and how you know, that might be taxing to their resources. So could we be, again, um, leveraging, um, you know, synergizing our efforts and, and, and use of resources, right? And if we can scroll up a little bit more in that section. Um, so, and to the next page, sorry. And so, uh, so in addition to just having a way to capture 
who those uh, or which uh, community-based organizations those are a way to really um, categorize that. So some kind of index, whether it's electronic, potentially some kind of digital um, um, resource that the, the entire college could have a recognition of who those organizations are and what types of relationships that we currently um, have with them. But also a way to think about, again, strategically um, how... Um, we are connecting with them for various events and programs and efforts here at the ocean and out at the centers um, and a way for us to also better respond to inquiries also from the community. And so this idea about how we think about um, developing or I'm sorry, uh, um, obtaining a, I know there's, different words, depending on which, how you're using them, but client uh, resource management systems or CRM um, is one of the, the other recommendations that came out of this. Uh, finally, how, well, not finally, but um, next about how the college will fulfill its commitment to printing the schedule and um, making that available to our city and county residents. Lots of discussions on how to do that as um, cost-effectively as possible with the biggest impact. Um, and might we think about ways that we could partner with community-based organizations that would help us reach communities that we'd like to have the schedule reach, um, concerns about the schedule potentially going to some of the large multi-unit dwellings that will not have those delivered directly to those individual doors and how many, you know, um, uh, schedules might sort of then not be uh, utilized or connect with residents the way that we'd like. So really a strategic approach to this. And then the costly nature of it, how will we sustainably do this into the future, right, to continue um, doing this? So might we think about other ways to engage people in our class schedule that, um, you know, is a complement to like the postcard campaign or some other variation of a printed item that would still connect people to our schedule. Uh, the next uh, recommendation, um, also thinking about how we could leverage one of our existing resources um, more fully, which is our college calendar, which um, not only do members of our own community, faculty, staff, and students have the ability to access it, so do our community members. And so one of the things that is happening right now in one of the PGC working groups, the communi communication working group, is how can we help the community learn how to leverage using our event calendar and then utilize some of our many communication tools to promote um, directing people to that calendar for various events, depending on who the audience is and what the nature of the event is. So that work is happening now. Um, and then I believe we're in the next step section. So Definitely recommend that more communication be happening with this um, uh, committee and the board overall around updates about what's happening in the outreach department and its initiatives, as well as um, staying on top of the marketing efforts that are going on. Um, the idea that uh, a working group um, be formed to continue to address uh, retention and enrollment um, since the scope of the task force was to develop the recommendations, so how do how does the work kind of get passed off to continue um, addressing it, and then also a desire to ensure that you know we appreciate you know all of the ideas um, that that came out of the task force, but how are we again 
really doing our due diligence um, to um, think about the pros and cons of the recommendations, the most cost-effective approach, um, whether or not we have the various um, parts of the college that sometimes are working on the same issues, really working, you know, together in unison, you know, how does this connect to things like our enrollment targets and our budgetary issues and student success and equity overall. And so, the, the final uh, next step for this task force group, um, now that the recommendations have been forwarded to the chancellor, is to have one more meeting um, this month where the chancellor will come back to the task force and talk to them about um, where we stand on the various recommendations that have been made. Thank you so much. Any comments from the committee? Trustee Chung. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Chair Merrill. Um, Green. Thank you, Chair Green. <laughs> Your first name is so cool. Um, I um, wanted to thank uh, Dr. Cooper Wilkins. Thank you for, um, like, there were, I just remember the inception of this, this there were a lot of members. <laughs> so it's, it's not an easy effort to kind of take all those ideas, go from that table to to these really um, clear recommendations. Um, I really appreciate the thought process on really um, sort of the, the degree of administrative support that is needed to deliver on these strategies and um, write the idea that uh, we have been working in silos and bringing the, everyone together. I think um, I I wanted to ask uh, if there was because I I do see that there are some like there are some bullet points that are are really detailed and then others that are um, uh, haven't been flushed out yet haven't we haven't had a chance to flush out yet um, but I I wanted to kind of ask and I I think I asked this last time um, because I I think the issue that is so, you know, I'm I'm always thinking with my community organizing hat, and I'm always thinking about. You talk about cost effective. There's, um, well, let's not go from the perspective of being cost effective, but people who are passionate about our our college and want to be able to help. Um, if there was some sort of because you mentioned the calendar, right? But I was wondering if there was a um, packet or a go-to space for people who are just people who are passionate, who come to our board meetings, <laughs> every single board meeting who want to promote our college, right? Um, for them to be able to access the, this material and um, these tools to directly share with their immediate circle. Is that something that is being put together? Um, there are some uh, materials that do exist already in outreach, but I think for if we know that this is the way that we'd like to utilize some materials, that a more specialized set of materials could be put together for that purpose. Absolutely. Thank you, Dr. Kropowins. Yeah, I think it's just because the um, the most, to me, in order for us to build enrollment, the, the most... Um, cause we're, we're talking, these are all sort of right organizational recommendations, but I'm, I'm thinking about like, how do we get boots on the ground? How do we get more like, cause there's, um, because we, we, we've been talking about for a long time, the previous board has been talking about, right. The issues with the registration system. So bridging that gap to me, um, 
doesn't it hasn't been explicitly addressed in this plan, but I'm hoping maybe Dr. Martin in your upcoming meeting can elaborate on some of those plans. Excuse me, certainly, uh, Trustee Chung. I know uh, the and I, the the name escapes me, but the uh, Student Registration Task Force are the group of individuals that have taken on uh, the responsibility of uh, revamping the RFP that ultimately <clears throat> failed last fall. Uh, has been meeting, and we are getting close to issuing the second RFP, so we can certainly bring an update uh, at that time. I think it may be appropriate for the March board meeting when all of the documents will be publicly available, uh, but I do know our purchasing department is in the final stages of uh, putting together the RFP for the new student registration system for a second time. If I may chair, um, and as far as until, right, because I mean, that's just the RFP and then when there's a bidding process and then we actually bring them in and then they design it, right? There's there's a gap. So during that gap, what is our immediate response to help students get more student gets registered on the ground? Uh, certainly. So I know we have a combination of different uh, measures that our student outreach team uses. Uh, we have I've been working on implementing a uh, call center uh, for uh, our students to reach a city college employee. Uh, we are also uh, utilizing a variety of different, uh, you know, positions throughout campus and admissions and records, both credit and non-credit to help students uh, register through uh, our system. I know uh, many employees, especially with our non-credit, uh, take uh, handwritten applications and then do uh, the entry themselves. Uh, so I'm looking at how we can continue to expand uh, the avenues for assistance in registering. Uh, we can certainly bring back a presentation uh, in the near future, but I know our admissions and records team, our classified individuals, our faculty, our student ambassadors, uh, they all do such a wonderful job and, and seeing how we can challenge ourselves to give them more support, I think would be a wonderful presentation at the March meeting. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Trustee Brent. Thank you. Um, thank you for that update. And um, I was not aware, and I don't know if I missed this information, it could, that could be the case that the CCSF help desk had closed. And so students are, were super confused this semester as they tried to reach out for support. So I'm glad to hear that there's efforts to um, have a call center with CCSF employees. My question becomes about the hours of operation for that. I think students grew accustomed to being able to call the CCSF help desk at any time, uh, which was super convenient because we have different work and school schedules. And so my concern is a lot of our stuff uh, at the college operates between the hours of nine and five, Monday through Thursday, typically not Friday. And so um, I just think that as we work on this, this is something we're gonna need to have longer hours potentially for. So I just wanna mention that. I think those are great comments, uh, student trustee Brandt, and I know uh, the end goal or the final product uh, would be uh, a center or a service that provides uh, much more uh, expanded uh, services and hours uh, than what we're piloting it with. And I think as we ramp up here over the next several semesters, because going uh, from the model in which we were uh, utilizing uh, Oculus IT uh, to a model to where we're utilizing uh, city college employees, uh, that's going to take some ramp up time. 
And I know it's a priority uh, for our student affairs uh, departments, and uh, we'll continue to keep the board updated. But uh, the end goal or the final product, I think, is a, a much robust uh, call center uh, as we work towards that here in the coming semesters. Trustee Brent. My apologies. Thank you. And then I just wanted to thank you. I I, I read through this and I felt uh, that it was, there's a lot in there, you know, and I'm sure a lot of work went into developing this. Um, and I'm glad to hear that um, we're considering what we're going to do moving forward in terms of retention and enrollment and ongoing conversations, because that was one of my concerns as a part of the task force was this is not a one and done. We need to keep checking in about that. Um, in terms of events and communication, um, I guess something I frequently hear is about the MUB 140 space and confusion around, uh, sorry, thank you. Well, I'm thinking about the specific room within the building, but thank you. Um, but it, specifically this room, uh, when it's occupied, when it's vacant, who has priority, you know, do we prioritize those within CCSF? Um, and so I think as a part of this, I don't know if this is a part of this or not, uh, it would be great to incorporate something around that where there's something forward facing so the public can see when spaces when when events are already going to be taking place in MUB 140 before they bother to inquire, because right. I think it can also potentially save a lot of work mm -hmm. um, for, I think, Grace that's handling that. No? Okay. Okay. In the I think in the past you helped me, so that was why I was confused. My apologies. Um, so I, I just think that that would be super, super helpful. Yeah. Um, for the public to know and for us to know um, and just to have some clarity around that. Um, and I think you had mentioned something around um, communication, I think with community-based organizations and how there's duplications of efforts. Um, and when I think about that, I think about what we end up looking like, mm -hmm. whether we look uncoordinated or disconnected um, when we don't know that other parts of the college are working with an, a CBO or what that relationship is like. So I appreciate you mentioning, um, you know, wanting to improve communication around external efforts with the community. Yeah. Our, one of the goals for the, um, to address your first uh, part of your comments, um, the PGC communications uh, working group is hoping to have sort of an information gathering session at the upcoming mid-semester flex um, to um, help us um, release, uh, you know, the most, I think, useful and robust set of recommendations around using the event calendars, thinking about how they plan their events and details like how you already figure out if a room or a space is available. Um, also how to utilize the different, like I said, plethora of communication channels that we have, which ones might be more appropriate for your event, depending on the audience and the type of event. So I appreciate your, your comments. You're hoping to solicit as much feedback as possible from the community at that session. I was going to just say, thank you. Um, uh, Vice Chancellor Cooper Wilkins, um, any other comments? Thank you. I just wanted to uh, thank again all those uh, folks that served on the task force and um, both uh, Cynthia Dewar and Olga Galvez because they helped to co-chair and co-convene that group. So thank you. Thank you. And before you sit down, 
I think our next item <laughs> is something that you covered as well. Um, an AP change, revision. Mm -hmm. So a notification of a, a set of revisions to our communicable disease uh, policy. Um, so our health and wellness uh, committee, um, health and safety committee has uh, been diligently um, refining that uh, policy so that it gives us the most flexibility to align ourselves with either the um, the state or local departments of health and their recommendations and guidelines around, unfortunately, a wide variety of communicable diseases, not just COVID. I know most people still had COVID on, on, on the mind, but also to um, make some clarity between some of the um, uh, differences in employee and student requirements. So um, after much uh, sort of hard work in that group and a special shout out again to, and I believe uh, Dean Amy Coffey is on the line, um, our department chair, uh, Jane Ernstall and several other folks in our health center um, who also serve on that health and safety committee. And then um, they also went around and did, you know, all of the due diligence in terms of visiting the different uh, constituency groups to get feedback and input. So, um, so yes, so at this point, we believe that this iteration of the, the policy is, is up to date and puts us in closer alignment to where we need to be as an institution with our policies related to communicable disease. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Any comments from the committee? Um, just, thank, thank you, Chair. Just wanted to double check because I, I just glanced at it. So the, the most up-to-date version has already been posted is that is that correct yes that is correct oh just um if uh dr murder if you would just uh change the dates in which the because it says 2023 if we could just update those oh when because uh, we're looking at ap 2.23 is that correct mm -hmm. right correct yeah. and then when you look at the bottom it still says recommended by pgc december 7 2023 that was probably the um actual pgc meeting where the recommendations came from oh yeah and so but approved february 1st 2024 then yes right. okay great thank you <laughs> any other comments the committee no chance it was unrelated to this item, so I'll defer to you, student trustee. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to bring up that in terms of, um, it, I'm trying to figure out how this relates to this, whether it does or doesn't, and if it doesn't, my apologies. But um, in terms of the communicable di disease policy, I feel like one of the struggles that um, student workers or like lab aides and federal work study have been facing is the requirement to be vaccinated for COVID. Mm -hmm. And we have certain individuals that opted not to vaccinate mm -hmm. um, for COVID. And it's not necessarily due to any religious reason, mm -hmm. just fear, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and, and not wanting to get the vaccine and that being a barrier to employment for them. Mm -hmm. And so I was just curious as to whether that needs to be a part of our policies mm -hmm. does it yeah. apply to student workers I, I know that currently it applies to student workers in the same way that it does to employees but I just wanted some clarification on that yeah and uh, the city and county of San Francisco are still requiring it for employees so unfortunately yeah thank you so much for that clarification and I think um, it would be 
good for us to somehow make that a little bit clearer to students as they go through the hiring process, because some of them get really far into the hiring process, find that out. And then it's like, oh, I did all this work for nothing. So that's a good, yeah, good point. We did work on making the, trying to make the website clearer. And so to your point about the employment process. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Chancellor, were you going to say something? Yes, I just uh, had a special announcement as we conclude our Student Success and Policy uh, Committee meeting, but we do have a birthday uh, in the back room, and uh, she's probably going to come up here and and kick me underneath (laughs) the table, but I would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge Susan Buckman back there, uh, who has uh, chosen to spend her birthday uh, facilitating our board uh, committees. Uh, she does such a phenomenal job, and I constantly remind myself that we don't thank her enough uh, for the wonderful work that she does uh, twice a month for. Thank you so much. Uh, Susan. Thank you, Susan. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Happy Susan. birthday. And thank you. All right. Thank you. Are there any future agenda items? Trustee Chung. Yes, um, I was hoping we could have a future agenda item on um, reviving the uh, program where we used to treat our student leaders as student employees, where we were able to pay them. Because at at the moment, we just currently provide them a stipend. But back in um, Trustee Williams' days, when she was a student trustee, we used to pay them. So if we can bring that back, I think having... We need more student involvement, and that and the barrier to to participating has always been with um, it's it's always it always boils down to money when it comes to that. So, yes, thank you. Absolutely. I will just put on the record. I'd like to have an update on the Evans campus and um, the programs and services, especially uh, based on CTE. Anything else? If not, we are adjourned. Thank you.